This season is sponsored by Future Farm, the revolutionary meatless meat food company from Brazil. They're cooking up products which can match and exceed our juicy meaty favourites on taste, texture and sizzling flavour using only 100% natural ingredients. My favourite? There's too much choice. But if I had to choose, hands down, it would be the future meatballs and future mints in my classic lasagna dish. And get this, they're standing up for some pretty big things too, like reclaiming the Amazon rainforest back by fostering the movement towards GMO-free and deforestation-free products in place of those that are unethical and illegal. Definitely not just another plant-based brand, hey? Very up my street. The full Future Farm range is available now at Sainsbury's. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, industry insiders, and people who, well, just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and favorite tastes along the way. This week, I'm joined by Dawn Richard, the singer-songwriter, actor, and all-round talented woman who is best known for her time in the girl group Danity Kane, which found fame from the reality show Making the Band, as well as Diddy Dirty Money, which was formed with none other than its namesake, Puffy, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Sean Combs. It depends what generation you're in, I think, at this point. <laughs> Aside from a successful music career, Dawn owns Puppeteds a vegan pop-up food truck based in her hometown of New Orleans and has been a vegan since before it was fashionable. It goes without saying that I have followed Dawn's career from the beginning of her MTV debut, so it is such a pleasure to have her on the podcast. Dawn, thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That was a beautiful introduction. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, well, we got we got there in the end. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was beautiful. It was great. And I love, I mean, who who doesn't want to talk about food? So do you know what uh, you know what I always say to people as well like listen you and I have just met but it doesn't matter where you're from who you are what your skin color is your religion your background everyone can talk about food right that's food like our common universal. that's our common ground exactly yes. and we all need it right like we it goes do. without saying and then coming from New Orleans you need it more because we're known for oh my god just and, how good our food is yeah and we are going to get onto that in a minute first <laughs> and foremost how are you I'm good. I just released an album. So I'm on top of the moon right now. My album, Second Line, uh, is all about the culture, all about New Orleans. And I've been infusing all these different genres together uh, to create this gumbo, which makes sense with New Orleans because it's kind of everything thrown in. I never really saw myself as one genre. And being a Black woman, I never thought that my race would have to dictate where I wanted to live musically. So with this album, I really wanted to push people to see the possibilities of what a what a, a girl from New Orleans can really create. And so we released that this week and it has been beautiful. Oh, and, and congratulations. Thank you. Thank well, you. How was the process sort of creating the album during such a crazy year? During a pandemic, insane. Yeah. yeah. I started the project before it and then in, in literally like the, the, the ending stages of it, I went home to take care of my mom. She had a uh, knee replacement and I was gonna be like her home, at home nurse uh, and got stuck with my parents staying in their house. So I was a grown woman back at home with, with the parents, with rules and everything. So was I. <laughs> so that was great. <laughs> that was on top of trying to make an album. Yeah, right. But like just creatively, I, I knew where I wanted to go, but 
I felt all over the place because I didn't really know if I could finish it, if I should finish it, because I saw my peers putting out projects, but then they couldn't go on tour. So they were they they weren't being able to exhaust the possibilities of what they could do with their albums because they were stifled. Um, so I didn't even know if I wanted to release the project. So I sat on it for a year, and as I sat on it, I started having conversations with my mom, my dad, and they were really good. I started to get to know them in a different way, and um, I recorded. I wound up recording my mom, and she became the narrator on my album. So the pandemic actually became a help uh, for me to actually create something really personal. Wow. really authentic uh and really uh true to new orleans yeah yeah so how so aside from kind of like capturing the essence of like where you're from what else is quite different about this album compared to the music you've sort of brought out in the past well i've honestly it's actually the same i for the last eight years as a solo artist uh i've really pushed the envelope when it comes to uh genre i, I never felt like boxes were a thing for me i've always been a part of groups my first group danity king was a pop group signed to a rap label Mm-hmm. Right. So even that in itself was an oxymoron. Then I was in a group with Diddy Dirty Money where our album really had its most powerful release overseas. The influence was Ibiza. It was electro soul. Uh, so we were very chocolatey, very black, but the influences were very European. And, mm. and, and that balance was beautiful in itself. So when I became a solo artist, it it was important for me to do all genres. So this yeah. album is no different. Second line really though is a call to arms to say black women as producers, DJs and electronic music needs to be recognized. And we don't have that that mirror on us. I feel like that reflection is constantly being shunned when we have been a part of dance culture for so long. Absolutely. We started it, Detroit, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. for us to not be able to have that that lane and even having women win awards in that lane ever, mm. Right. We just had the first black person win it, which was Kate, uh, Kate uh for for a Grammy. So it, it's just a, it's an opportunity for with this album for us to see black women in this space and open up the floodgates for more incredible, beautiful artists in different genres who are of color and especially women uh, to be seen. Absolutely. And about bloody time, right? Yeah, it's about too late. Time. It's too, it's it's, like, it is too late. It's, it's Way too late. Too to late. The party. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we've been here. Yeah. I was about to say, we've been sitting here for a while now, right? Right. right. So it's just kind of putting that magnifying glass. I, you know, I'm not yeah. the first. I'm not claiming to be. All I want to do is put a magnifying glass and hopefully we start actually having a dialogue and then yeah. start making a change for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well, best of luck with it, honestly. Thank you. How Thank exciting. You. So you've already sort of mentioned New Orleans or Narlins as they no, call yeah, it. Narlins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been there. I, I went there when I was about sort of 12 years old and it was the most incredible place. Treat, and I'm desperate to go back. Yeah. Oh yeah, we like God. to treat people good. That's yeah, we, no, we it's very cool. And we feed them and get them yeah. drunk. It's great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but I want to just take it back for a bit. So Obviously, born and raised in New Orleans and Louisiana, mm-hmm. I want to know what life was like growing up. I want to know who was cooking, what you were yeah. eating. Was obviously food was important. Sort of yeah. give me the whole story. So I grew up in a home where my mom originally is from the country. She's from New Iberia, so she I, I knew of like that's where Tabasco is, sugarcane fields, things, things like that. But my grandmother and my grandfather usually they are the cookers in the family. So my mom and dad were hard workers, so they didn't cook much. Um, we ate kind of like fast food. But when it was time for an opportunity for grandmother, like our Papa Ted was my grandfather, Papa Ted, yeah, and my my grandmother, Mama Pat, when they cooked the baked macaroni and cheese and the the boiled crawfish and 
you know, it's just like the richness of seafood and also um, stew and roux. Roux is a very important essence of New Orleans. And if you don't know what that is, R-O-U-X, that's the sauce, the base of everything. Because we have been settled by French, Spanish, indigenous, African, we have all these different cultures that mix us together. And during slave times, we couldn't afford to sit with the the, the, the masters and the, the white people and the slaves, the slaves had to figure it out. So the leftovers would become the stew mm. and that would become the base of the etouffees and the boudins and the, 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 the casserole, if you will, of and gumbo, of course, where you'd get these stews of all the leftover seafood from the ports. So you'd have turkey and dewy sausage, uh, crawfish, you know, you have it all mixed into this beautiful concophony of, of flavor and we would try to make it taste good and the way we would do it was through the seasoning and we became a city that is known for how we season because we had to figure out how to make it taste good right course, it was the leftovers yeah. of all those things so that's that's how I grew up when my my grandmother and grandfather were cooking um, but I grew up in a home that didn't cook as well uh, so when I ate, was able to become an artist the first thing I had to teach and learn my you know for myself was how to cook uh, and I took all the things that I learned from my grandfather and the, you know, my grandmother and grandfather, and that became the journey of me learning my own self-love of cooking and how I, how I wanted to infuse it into everything that I loved during tour. So mm. you'd see me in my little like kitchen trying to make the seasoning, you know, even the smallest recipe, make it taste good by putting the Zatarans and like trying to figure out how to season it to get it that perfect Creole spicy sweet flavor. For anyone that doesn't know what Creole sort of flavors are, kind of summarize it for them. It's sweet and spicy attacking you at the same time, right? And and I think if you want to think about this, uh, a, a close sister, think of Thai food, right? Thai has this beautiful blend of sweet, savory, but also like this kick, but it mm. isn't aggressive. Mm. So Creole food is the same way. It has Southern cooking. It's Southern comfort. It's comfort food, but it's that edge of seafood because we live on the water, because of the Gulf is right by us. The seafood is is present, ever present in in our in our everyday cuisine so anything from seafood to southern comfort put together to make this sweet and spicy mix and what are some of your favorite dishes so before i became vegan um now i make it vegan uh gumbo uh boiled crawfish i lived off that i could i could peel a crawfish in 10.5 seconds easy <laughs> She's eat the whole thing and just like yeah <laughs> i loved shellfish growing up yeah. uh because it was just something that was every day for me so from crawfish to lobsters to catfish uh uh jambalaya um, oh i love jambalaya so the move i miss all of that because i you know well i can do a vegan jambalaya yeah. but still like that was what I grew up in. And then you talk about crawfish, uh, crawfish bread. Like they have the bread that they put the infused of crawfish and the cheese inside the bread. Crazy. Oh my God. Crawfish pie, same kind of thing. Yeah. Those are my favorites. Uh, and then crawfish macaroni and cheese. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the, crazy. But I, yeah. I miss those. I haven't had that in like almost seven years mm, mm. because now I'm vegan. Yeah. Which I want to ask. So, because, mm -hmm. you know, that's quite a long time. And I feel like, that. well, the UK has always been behind the US in mm -hmm. sort of these sort of like, uh, like not diet cultures, but sort of these things, right? Like these sort mm -hmm. of, I remember my going to New York to visit a friend in like 2010 and she was vegan. And I was like, what is this? Like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Like, so why? Why did you decide so I, to turn vegan? Yeah, my father was diagnosed with lymphoma. 
non-Hodgkin's okay. lymphoma. And I was in LA at the time and uh, I was in my, you know, in the middle of my solo career trying to figure it out. And I was devastated. My dad is healthy. Like he's, you know, not, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink. That was just rough for me. And we were really close. And um, I was looking into different things. And because I was in LA, innovation of health is a, veganism is popular there. Mm. Um, so for me, I looked into cannabis. I looked into CBD. My father is so Southern so old school Catholic, Roman Catholic, that he was not going to be doing anything with cannabis, even if it was CBD, anything with green on it. He was like, no, nope. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I tried so hard because I was telling him holistically, you know, he, you know, instead of taking chemo, he could probably try cannabis. Yeah. He didn't want to do it. So then I started researching and I was seeing young children, older people curing their cancer through diet, through their dietary holistic choices. So I told my dad, if I go vegan, will you go with me and we'll do it together? And he did. And He's been having, he lost all this weight. He looks so good and he's been running four miles a day and he's been great. And so I never turned back. Once I did it, I liked how I felt. So I never, I never changed. So I started infusing the thing. One thing I missed was flavor. So I started trying all these things. And because I was in LA, I was able to get the resources to mm. make them, but I had to learn how to season it so that I could get the th the same flavors that I really wanted. And that became my journey as to figuring out how to be vegan from the south wow okay yeah. so is your dad still vegan yeah well no because he likes sweets <laughs> okay okay so we're taking it quite seriously yeah okay. he doesn't eat so yeah because that's butter no right? i know because the yeah. thing is i know a few fake vegans right right so that's They're butter the... so he yeah. doesn't right but he okay. doesn't eat any meat he doesn't like he doesn't do beef wow. and all of that stuff yeah so he's still you know he's conventional and actually you know vegetarian but yeah, like yeah, he yeah. doesn't yeah but he's still he's been good my mom is completely vegan uh she was later on they were telling her she, if she kept eating the way she was she was gonna get diabetes she went vegan and she doesn't even have to take insulin my god mm. what an amazing story and also how amazing of you to kind of go on that journey with him yeah well it gives me the only way he was gonna do it yeah like, you know it, no it I, like, I agree yeah, uh, yeah. i kind of had to bribe him <laughs> yeah when you have that kind of like old school mentality it's like okay if she's doing it then yeah, it seems okay and, we were, and we're close so yeah. like it was kind of like a, we'll do this together um but i then i started realizing how much it helped me in my music how i was performing the stamina like i just my skin got better i mm -hmm. there was just things for me i personally liked in that journey but I felt like I was eating grass and no salt and I, it was nasty. Like when I first started, I was like, there, this is going to be repetitive and monotonous. Yeah. And that's when I became uh, serious about finding what works for me as a vegan. Because uh, at first it was just a chore, right? Yeah. And then I started playing and cooking and I started to fall in love with cooking again because I had to get creative and mm. use it baking, using applesauce as a base mm. and you know, trying to figure out how to make eggs and be eggs and it's not eggs, using rice flour and like all these really cool creative things, how to figure out how to make buffalo sauce, what is cauliflower, what is jackfruit, how does that yeah. feel, you know, getting comfortable with it. And that's literally how I popped up into Papa Ted's. Okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna try and do things a little bit chronologically. We're gonna come back to Papa Ted's mm -hmm. in a little bit. Again, so you sort of had this lovely upbringing in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. The food sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, most of us do know you from your time on making the band, subsequently becoming part of Danity Kane, then Diddy Dirty Money. 
what was the music industry like at that time? Because, you know, we're mm. talking quite a few years ago, we're talking pre-social media days, mm-hmm. you know, you were kind of on one of these reality shows before the reality shows are was what reality. they are today. Yeah, you know, exactly, what, yeah. like, you know, you were kind of ahead of your time. You know, mm. in those days, Dawn, I didn't even have, even have MTV. Like I had to beg my parents to pay extra money to like get more channels. You know, mm-hmm. the youth of today will never understand the struggle that we all had to Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what was the industry like at that time i think um it was way more manufactured and way more structured right and you didn't have artists didn't have that much of a voice right because you didn't have social media yeah so a lot of it was you were you were built in a system that you had to follow in order to like get to the next place. Um, So there were no communicative, there was no interaction beyond, right? Whatever you got within your your circle. You weren't close to the fan. Mm. You weren't close to, you didn't have, you know, like if if people attacked you or hurt you or if your music did well or whatever, there was no way to outreach. You had to do it the conventional way. We we worked twice as hard, you know, like there was a, a different level of how we had to get to and from places. But it was also a really cool time because there was still mystery, mm. right? There was mystery to the artists. Like we didn't have to be personalities. We were, we, we just had to be our art and like put that in. As social media became more present, like being, that's why making the band was so popular because it was the first time you got an opportunity to see an artist as a personality. Because a lot of the artists that we grew up with, like Beyonce and them, we didn't know their personal yeah, lives. Yeah, We like, we, we, they were like so mysterious. We just knew them as pop stars, but we didn't know all the yeah. ins and outs of, yeah. Whereas that's why making the band was so big because it gave you a glimpse inside the process. So we really social like reality TV was the social media. Yeah, that's, right. That's that true. Yeah, you yeah, got yeah. a glimpse into the real, real, mm. and those opinions and that hurt. And I think that was what people gravitated towards. So the industry was a bit different because that was their first like trial and error to see if that type of interaction would work, and it was huge. But for someone like us, for me as an artist, it did feel like um, I didn't, like if I had moments where I felt as a black woman being in a predominantly white group being bullied, and those opportunities to maybe talk about it, I didn't have those avenues. We didn't have those avenues to talk about being women, you know, in a system where men were being misogynistic Mm. or that time was we didn't have those think pieces that were happening. We had to just be in it and go through it, Mm. Uh, you know, and that's a different time. And people actually bought CDs, (laughs) like actually hard copies, you know, like it was like, you know, the hard copy was now that's different, you know, Mm. like actually going to in-store signings. Like we would go to the, like meet to the stores and sign and meet people. And that was kind of your opportunity as well to like, to meet, to meet someone, you know, yeah. I feel like you're absolutely right. Yeah, in terms we did it of this, in a mall. Exactly. But like, you're mm-hmm. absolutely right in terms of like social media and, and how it plays a part in the industry. You kind of feel like, you know, these people, you know, because if you have, look at your Instagram stories and you're watching someone who's really, you know, active on social media and you watch them from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed, you sort of just feel like you're one of their friends. Yeah, like you don't love them for the music. You love yeah. them because you like them. And so now we've, we've yeah. taken the art of it and it's the back burner. Like you, well, for us, we had to be talented. Like you had to be great. The music had to be good. 
you know, and then and then the personality stuff came later. The, mm. the, the, the reality TV was the first time people were like, oh, we get to see you and experience you and like you. And then we'll care about the music later. Social media has taken that to a whole nother level. Mm. Now, we don't even like the music. We can go on TikTok and give you three seconds of a, of, of a dance and a song and we love you. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I think the only thing with social media that I have a massive issue with, especially uh, for people like you, people who are like in the limelight, is that um, there's a lot more of a pressure about perhaps how you present yourself physically. You know, as as a young black woman, what was it like going, I know you've kind of mentioned it, but going into the industry at that time, did you have the same kinds of pressures that perhaps young women coming into the industry nowadays because they're getting at it from all different frontiers because everybody has a voice now right whereas before it was so you were so much you were on a completely different pedestal well to be honest with you it was worse when really without social media yeah because there was no one to confide in right you you couldn't bring your voice because though you get it from other angles you also have support systems right so Mm -hmm. like if you go on social media and you talk about your journey of being bullied and hurt You'll have haters, but you'll also have people who are supporting you in that journey. And if it's a big enough following, they can almost affect how things will shift. You know, like a lot of labels and brands and marketing companies have had to shift their branding based off of what Twitter has. Someone on Twitter has said this was racist. This was not good. Mm. Um, We didn't have that. Like I was in a predominant, it was two black girls, me and D Woods, and we were in a predominantly white group. We got bullied daily. I know I did for being a black woman in a predominantly white group. We were constantly ostracized, you know, that you look like a tranny. You look like this. You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too curvy. Those things happened and we didn't have the ability. Like we even on the television show, there was moments where we saw and heard Puff say it to us. Like, you know, and if we had social media, that would have been a conversation happening Mm. on Twitter as that moment happened. Um, We didn't have those moments, right? So we were spoken to crazy a lot of times and we we had to just receive it because that was the norm in the business at that time uh so i actually think yeah it is they are getting it from different angles but they're also the world has opened up so vast now that as a black woman your image is being there's more celebration of body culture and you know and body positivity so for every person that says you're ugly for being big there are a hundred over here saying you are beautiful Mm. and there's this like connectivity that that we didn't have for us growing up. I didn't have it. Like being an alternative black girl at that time wasn't cool. Eight years ago, I was independent and independent wasn't cool. Mm. Then we're just getting the celebration of the independent artist now. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's because well, of social you, media. You, you're ahead of your time on all different frontiers. Dawn. I didn't mean to be. I didn't mean to be. You're just I a trendsetter, babe. You are I a trendsetter. I promise I would rather the easier way. No, but that's a good thing because yeah. it comes naturally to you. You're not trying. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, it just kind of happened and then good. I had to survive. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> we all got to survive. Yeah. <laughs> So talk to me about the food. One thing that is really interesting is, so my other job is that I'm actually a photographer. I've been a photographer for 10 years. And one of the hardest things I find is eating when I'm on set. And I sometimes do go on tours for very, not, not, not music tours, but like I'm on the road sometimes. And the food, like that's when I know that I'm just letting go. I can't put too much pressure on it. You know, what is it like when you guys, when you were on tour, or even if you're on tour now, like, you know, what's the food situation? So I've had a beautiful journey of that because <laughs> in Danity Kane, it was horrible because they, you know, we didn't get any good stuff. We were, yeah. we were like a new band and no one cared. Yeah. 
Uh, so it was like the, the occasional fruit tray. Oh God! And the yeah. smelly, the smelly ham and cheese that they that tray where that smells like death on the you know, <laughs> and bottled water. That's yeah. that's about all we got, right? And then um, then I went to Diddy Dirty Money, and it was like Jesus had <laughs> had Last Supper had happened because Buff was there. So then suddenly Pooh you're on a whole different dimension. There were chefs, chefs and everything. <laughs> and I was like, this is nice. <laughs> And food was amazing. Yeah. We ate healthy and we had shakes and it was like, oh, this is fantastic. You know, and even in the studio we would record, there'd be grapes this big and we used to make fun and say, <laughs> did God make these fruits? Because all the bananas would be like, oh, like this is a, this different. Then I went on my own and I was again, struggling again. Uh, <laughs> and I was not getting any food anymore. And then like two years into my indie life, after I realized I, I will probably lose I can't lose any more weight because I have no food I started started putting on my writer what I wanted but I also started doing pre pre-cooked meals okay and making meals for myself and prepping and uh that's when I started bringing kale chips and you know like when I did, became vegan I started actually paying attention how important the diet is on tour because I would cheat it just it's like whatever you can get right yeah. even studio time is chips and all the bad yeah. junk foods you yeah. should it's horrible. And I just didn't like the way I was eating. So I started preparing my own food to be able to actually eat well so that when I get on stage, I don't feel like I'm losing 30, 40 pounds every time mm. I go on tour. Yeah. But how are you finding the time to cook if you're on tour? You have to do the, well, not only, so you have to prep, you have to pre-meal. So a lot of the stuff, for example, if I can get a good hotel and I know that I'm going to not get a good hotel for the next whatever, I'll okay, make something that can fine. sustain, yeah. right? Then if I know I'm going long without it, then I'll do like, like I said, kale chips, nuts, cashews, uh, a raw spinach, like things that I know that I'll, things that I know will be able to be able to be raw and mm, move. Mm. Yeah. And what do you eat before you perform? Because I know some artists. I don't eat before. No. You don't eat. No. It's a big no-no. No, because just I'm a, I'm dancing most of the time. Oh, no, I'm doing okay, yeah, one, two hour eight count. Like I'm performing. Like I'm dancer first. So nine times out of ten, I'm doing full on eight counts for two hours. So wow. there's no way. It's, yeah, like it's a two hour show. I'm dancing for maybe like ninety percent of that. So there's yeah, no yeah. way. Yeah. One thing that I always find quite interesting when I have um, like songwriters on the podcast, because I had Nile Rogers on last season, yeah. which was yeah. amazing. And you know, a lot of people might not know this because you know, they know you from like Danity Kane, Diddy Dirty Money and everything, but you've actually written for quite a few people in the industry yeah. and you've been a part yeah. of a lot of people's processes, Cassie, obviously yeah. Puffy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. What is the process like when writing a song? You know, are you, listen, I'm naive to this. Are you mm -hmm. literally just going into the studio and you're like, okay, we need to get an album out. Like we need to do this. Is it, or is it kind of like quite an organic process? It's organic for me. I write to write. Uh, I always have been that way. And, and I, because I had such a diverse journey, uh, I love to write for pop. I love alternative. Like I, it just goes wherever the, whatever the track feels, whatever I'm feeling in that moment, I just put it down. And then if it relates to someone, then great. Um, but I never go in with the intention to like, I've got to make this. Yeah. If it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't, it'll sit. You know, it's just, it's kind of like reading for me. Like, Sometimes you just want to read a chapter. You know, you want to take a moment and like go somewhere, escape something and put it out there and then put it down and then it's out and it's out of you. 
And that's kind of what it is. If it comes in me, I'm going to put it on, put it down. It may not be for me. Maybe my, this is not my story. I just felt this story and I wanted to tell it. Mm. Out, of in- out of interest, I have mentioned him a couple of times. What is Puffy going by these days? I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I really don't I know. I literally can't keep up with him. Ago. Yeah, I, I talked to him not too long ago, but he always be Puffed to me. So I don't like, I don't. That's it. For me, I grew up with him as like, as Yeah, Puffy. but he probably changes it. I mean, he's got, he's, when you're rich and you have all this time, you can just do whatever you want. I mean, you know, that make, it makes sense that he would want to just change. <laughs> I mean, when you've got that kind of money, you just I agree. And I feel stuff. like he can get away with it. If I started changing my name every like year, I feel like I would like lose a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I think most people, but when you're wealthy, you won't. So it's fine. True, true. Yeah. We have both mentioned um, your amazing business, Papa Ted's, which is named after your granddad. Yeah. Talk to me about it. Why venture into the food industry? So I never wanted to do food. I, I knew that I, I, it's just the truth. I, I knew I wanted a business in New Orleans. I never would have left New Orleans if Katrina never happened. I would have had my career and then had a home in New Orleans. So I'm just a little late coming back home. Uh, so when I got here, uh, I wanted to build a business here and I wanted it to be for collectives, for artists like me, a space for them to have something. But because the universe does what it does, when my father got lymphoma, veganism became a lifestyle for me. Mm. And what I realized is most creatives don't eat healthy. We don't have eco-friendly or sustainable experiences around us. A lot of times, the more creative you are, the less the environment is creative, right? You're in like hubs trying to like create masterpieces in spaces where you don't think about your diet. You don't think about those things. Um, So when I came back home, I realized veganism wasn't really popular. It was still fairly new here. Uh, And I had been cooking for my friends and making this sandwich at home that I had been playing with. And every time I, you know, they come over, they'd be like, you want to make that Papa Ted sandwich? Cause they, you know, they, I, I had called it that cause yeah. it reminded me of my grandfather's a little sweet, a little surly, you know, like a little sweet, a little savory. Uh, and so a little spicy, uh, he was a little bit of both. And um, they kept asking. And then they said, I think you should sell this Don. This is like really good. And so when I came home, uh, I put in the idea of having the art with the food. And I said, okay, I'm going to put it together. So what I've made is the first eco-friendly, sustainable experience in New Orleans. So our, our, everything from our packaging is biodegradable or recyclable. Our jars are recycled glass. The organic snowballs that we sell, which is a snowball is a staple in New Orleans, which is shaved ice with organic flavors that we put in to make a really beautiful, Amazing. sweet, you know, cause it gets hot here, a really yeah. sweet uh, treat. And we put it in a eight ounce glass jar with a metal straw, a sustainable metal straw. You get all of that and we encourage you to bring it back so you can get discounts to recycle. Uh, we have artists that come and paint with plant-based paint while you buy wow, your food. Wow, that's so you buy cool. your food. Our DJ spends on repurposed wood, right? Reclaimed wood. And then um, the, 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 the biggest feature is the, uh, the uh, biscuit sandwich, the vegan biscuit sandwich that we sell. It is so yummy. The biscuit what's is in it. So our biscuit is a special recipe. It's uh, uh, flour that is vegan flour. Uh, we have the most beautiful spices and ambrosias all in there to create one of the most unique tasting biscuits you'll ever taste. We have three different types. We have the uh, Papa Ted uh, OG, the original, which is sweet organic peppers with uh, jalapeno pepper jack cheese, vegan cheese. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, our secret stash sauce. 
Oh, wow. On the, so, right, it's got a spice and a beautifulness to it. Then we have the Hulk, which is avocado and spinach on the uh, our uh, apple sage sausage, which is vegan. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. And we glaze it with a vegan cheddar uh, biscuit on that one. And we glaze it with like an organic syrup. So again, it has that sweet. And then we have the everything in the kitchen sink, which is the third one. And that one has all those things on it, but it also has a vegan fried egg, which is made with butternut squash and rice flour. Wow. Okay. That sounds incredible. Yeah. So the one, the two, and the three. The number one, number Damn. two, and number three. Okay. And we're very, that's the menu. That's the, it's very and niche. And that's it. That's all you yeah. do. But do you know what? I like that. You know what mm-hmm. you're good at. You know what, yeah. you know what the message is. People know what they're coming in for. Yeah. Done. And they get an experience, right? Yeah. And even the paper, I collaborate with a comic book store. So instead of them throwing away their paper, we get their recycled comic oh, paper. that's wicked. And it feels the, the, yeah, it's a part of the packaging. So people get to read vintage comics. They see the artist painting. You know, it's a whole experience. So it's not just a fast food moment and you leave. We want you to stay around. And a lot, and all of the workers are creatives. Mm. So whether they're culinary artists or they're dancers or singers or DJs, they're all versed within the arts. So it's an opportunity for them to network, but also like create art on the, in the process. Um, there's nothing like it in New Orleans. And it's also 99% female. Wow. Oh my God. Like you're literally ticking yeah. every box right now. And 75% LGBTQ. Incredible. Yeah, so we have so where is this in New Orleans? Like, where We're can a pop we find up it? Shop. We're so a where? Pop-up shop. So we are in downtown on Sundays. We're at 820 Carondelet Street, which is at the store Main Squeeze downtown. Then on Fridays, we're at Parasite Park, which is a skate park. Ooh, cool. Yeah, um, on St. Bernard uh, Avenue. So we're there. And then every once in a while, we're at Miel Brewery, which is a beer, a brewery. Uh, on 6th Street, which is close to Chapatulis, on, uh, and it's a really beautiful uh, space for us to be outside, and we sell there. So we don't have a brick and mortar yet, but yeah. we pop up all around the city. If you guys follow us on Instagram, at Papa Ted's Truck, P-A-P-A-T-E-D-S-T-E-T-R-U-C-K, Papa Ted's Truck, we post when we're popping up all over okay, the city. Cool. Yeah. Well, once I pop over to New Orleans, <laughs> come get a free meal. I'll be coming to get a meal. Yeah. yeah. What is a normal like day in food for you? Like, have you had mm. breakfast? I always ask my guests, have you had breakfast today? So coffee first, uh, but again, I do uh, oat milk. Me too. Uh, lavender, a little bit of lavender inside. Ooh. Lavender oil, yeah. Uh, cinnamon. And then, um, yeah, cinnamon and then a little bit of agave and that's my coffee. Uh, and then I I eat after 12, so I don't eat before 12 and then I'm done by six. So I have to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner before those times. So most of the time, I don't only do like one or two meals. But are you quite into intermittent fasting then? No, it's not even fasting. It's just for me, health-wise, stamina-wise, I've got to be a certain size. Like I can feel when I get heavy. Yeah. And when I start to get ready for tour and music, like I'm about to, I just came out with an album. So I know I'm already focused on yeah. what I'm going to have to do for tour. Yeah. My body has to be in a certain place. So I've got to run four miles a day. I've got to consistently be, wow. my body has to be at a place. So 12 o'clock, I'll eat. I'll try to get three meals in, but most of the time I'll, I'll barely get maybe two, but I'll eat smart. So like a salad and then lunch will be a little bit broader and then dinner will be a soup and then I'm good to go. But I nice. got to run. I got to I gotta keep it. If you go after six, you're putting weight on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
What are some of your specialities at home when you are cooking? Yeah, so papatea sandwiches all go always. I also love to do um, a spinach and tangerine salad. Ooh, that sounds nice. Yeah, so like you'll cut the t- I love citrus. I love citrus just in general. So I'll put lemon, a little bit of lemon in, uh, to squeeze after I wash uh, my spinach. I'll let it sit and then I'll cut up some tangerines or even some dry cranberries and I'll put it in and it'll be a nice little mm. balance. And if I want a crunch, I'll do a granola or even a cashew to find a crunch there. Um, and then for dinner, I love soup. I just do. So like if I'm like from tomato to vegetable to uh, uh, butternut squash, uh, I like to play with putting, you know, broccoli, uh, scallions, um, you know, it's all in putting whatever you can. And if I need yeah. a meat, I'll do, I don't play with a lot of soy, but if I'll do, I'll use my, I'll cut up some sausages, some apple seed sausages or uh, eggplant to get some heft to it. Uh, if I want to, but those are the kind of things that I play and I love a stew or, 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 or a soup because I can just add vegetables yeah. to get the protein and the things that I need from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you know what? They're so easy to make, but like so effective and yeah. filling. Yeah. And filling. Yeah. And if I really want to go for it with the filling, you put some potatoes in there. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. What are some of your favorite restaurants to go to? Aside, aside from your own, obviously. Right. In New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Um, there's this place called Adidas. Uh, uh, Adidas. I think it's called Adidas. It's an Ethiopian spot. Oh, nice. So so good. And again, another Ethiopian food is so great with vegetarian and veg uh, and vegan op- you know uh, uh, options because from their bread, even the the breading. Um, oh God, can't think of what it's called right now, but I love it. It's so spongy and yeah. so yummy. Yeah, the chickpea and the uh, you know the cabbage, and you you wrap it in the the um. It's almost like zigni. It's not yeah. called zigni, but zigni bread is African about. bread, but it's, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. zigni, um, and it's so good. Uh, I'll do that. Uh, another one is um, I do love seed. Seed is another vegan spot. I get their nachos there. This is all vegan. Seed is a vegan spot. So can I just ask? So is the whole yeah. is the vegan sort of culture getting quite big now in in New Orleans? It's and like starting. It's new. Like I, yeah. I, I named almost half of them. So <laughs> that's it. Those are, that's it. You know, yeah. You know. Uh, but 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 they're my favorites because I yeah. go there and I you know and I love it. Um, there's another place, though, that everybody goes to called Bearcat. That's really popular. It's a cafe in New Orleans that's really good. I love it. I get breakfast there a lot of times, too. And Souris. Souris has, it's just so good. There are certain places, like, that have the best French, vegan French toast or, Ooh. like, it's just a part of the menu, but it's not the whole menu. Yeah. Um, those are places that I really love, too. Because in New Orleans, breakfast is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, grits. And, you know, you yeah. can ask them to, to use not their butter, but use vegan butter to do their grits. Yeah. Oh God, I need to get back. You're literally mm-hmm. like inspiring mm-hmm. me now. Mm-hmm. Right. I finished my chats with a few quick fire questions. Okay. So my favorite snack of all time is what we call crisps and what you guys call potato Chip. chips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite flavor of chips and why? Sour cream and an onion. <gasps> Ooh. And yes. I don't know why. I don't know why. Because I don't like chips like that. But, but like, are you I talking like a, like a Lay's? No. No. Because no. I don't like <laughs> chips like Because I don't like chips like that. So if I do, it's got to be like a baked chip. Like, it's got to okay, be it's fine. Ke- like kettle. Like yeah, okay, chip. fine. Okay, yeah. But if we're going to go with Lay's, that's fine. But I don't. 
Like, I'm really Do you know what's so funny? Yeah. I, I bet people must think, who does this girl think she is? Because every time I have an American guest on and they say like a certain flavor, I'm like, oh yeah, what, like a Lay's? And they're like, like no. Uh. <laughs> that's, like, that's like McDonald's. I know, I gotta, I've just got to stop saying it. I'm just going to act dumb yeah. next time. Actually, like, because I like, I, if, you, if we're going to go in for, to the chip and we're going to go for it, it needs to be a high class yeah, chip. Yeah, I agree. So can experience all the flavors <laughs> that's happening. But if you want to talk about New Orleans chips, something that's really popular here is zaps they're like huge here they're huge here and they even the the coloring of the chips is very new orleans it's very bright and we even have a flavor called voodoo Mm -hmm. and it's only in new Orleans. like you see the chips everywhere it's very southern it's called that yeah they're huge here i need to look into these okay they have like a alligator like crawfish flavor and stuff like that yeah Oh, wow. And, but are they mm-hmm. potato chips? They're potato chips, yeah. Okay, I'm going to be researching this. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have a little look at those. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? In my whole life, gator. That gator, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Where was gator. that? Oh, here in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. you, can get gator, you can get gator anywhere here. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. No. It's too hard. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like tough. It. Yeah. Mm-mm. What is what has been your most memorable meal? I miss Thanksgiving with my grandmother and my grandfather. They're not here Aww. anymore. And after Katrina, we never had a Thanksgiving again. Really? Yeah. Why? My entire family was from New Orleans, so we all lost everything. Everybody. Oh my God. I had and no idea. That, yeah, after that, everybody, my grandfather died. It was never the same. Yeah, we were all separated. So we never had our, oh, we used to all live like down the street from each other. Mm-hmm. Wow. Gosh. I miss those days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that I haven't been to New Orleans since way before yeah. Katrina. That's why I'm yeah. desperate to come back because. Yeah. I just remember we taste the bank, the baked macaroni and like, I miss those things. The yeah. ham. Like, yeah, I could still see it. And I remember it. And I know the room we used to go in and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What food sums up happiness for you? That's us. That is so funny. Um, okay. So listen, <laughs> I don't eat it anymore, but I, I dream of it still because okay. I don't eat Ball crawfish will forever be <laughs> the love of my life. And I, my, I will never know her again, but she is, when I smell her, I just know, you know. Crawfish God, that, that's real me. love right there. I can see it. your eyes are like glistening. Yeah, There's like I, miss it. I haven't had it in like eight years, and I'm just like, and I smell it all the time, and I'm just like, God, oh man, yeah. Crawfish, it's just, crawfish. it's just crawfish reminds me of home. Yeah, the it's just the brawls and the, mm-hmm. and that's what mm-hmm. it's all about. Yeah. Final question: Live to eat or eat to live? Eat while living. Ooh. Okay. Listen, I told y'all that she was a trendsetter because no one has said that. <laughs> like, what? Absolutely. Eat. Wow, okay. Yeah. I love that answer. Yeah. You've just thrown it way out the park. <laughs> oh, yes. Dawn, it has been such a wonderful, wonderful time being Thanks with you. Thank me. you so, so much for coming on. Please, everyone, go and get Dawn's album and follow her on social media at Dawn Richard. Until next time, guys. 
Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.